It's been a minute since I got to spread the good word about Life Boost, but today I am sitting here recording and drinking the delicious blueberry crumble, and it's amazing. The other morning when B started brewing it for the first time, I basically just floated down on the sweet aroma of blueberries and thought Brandon was baking a pie, and then I was like, stop, that's a stupid thought. Brandon doesn't even like pie. But I do, and this blueberry crumble is basically just a slice of guilt-free pie in the morning, and it's amazing. Actually, all of Life Boost flavors are. I have yet to find one that I'm like, no thank you. It's always, yes please. But honestly, aside from their amazing flavors, I personally believe in finding good companies to support this podcast, and Life Boost is definitely an incredible company led by our fellow jiu-jitsu practitioner and coffee connoisseur charles life boost talks about their cause in supporting communities by supporting their farmers and sustainable farming as well as wildlife protection now if you don't understand my stance on animals you clearly haven't been following my instagram but let's just put it this way i used to cry in the meat aisle I wouldn't make a big scene. I would just be really upset because I have issues. Don't laugh. I've gotten better. I only cry a little bit now. Not in the grocery store. But mainly when I pass like a semi with cows. Anyway, growth. I'm trying. That all being said, it means a lot to me that companies take pride in putting out quality products that also are good for our earth and the beautiful animals that inhabit it. So, Life Boost is well worth the investment in this brand and the incredible people behind it. If you are interested in trying out a little piece of blueberry pie in the morning or their amazing, uh, I love their coconut one. It's, mm, it's so good. And it's super good in summer. Ugh. I haven't tried it with Kahlua yet, but I feel like it would be really good. Anyway, I'll let you know. To save yourself 30%, though, use our code of UNMASKED. That's U-N-M-A-S-K-E-D. Save yourself 30%. Cheers. If your schedule is anything like mine, then you two are running to the gym or the grocery store or trying to get at least eight hours of sleep but always coming up short. Yo, I have a secret. It's called a place to float. Okay, it's not really a secret. I literally do these, like... Every time we do a podcast, but whatever. Maybe I need to figure out what a secret means. Anyway, we do not get near enough quiet in our lives, but that is why I use a float tank at least once a week. If you're hella confused about what I'm talking about, that's okay. Let me try and break it down real quick. Like, tank is a pool of heated water combined with magnesium sulfate to allow your body full buoyancy. Floating in the chambers has been known to ease tension in joints, muscles, and aid in mindfulness, potentially leading to decreased stress and anxiety. A Place to Float offers an incredible spa experience from the moment you walk into the building. Like I've said before, Brandon and I strive to find the best companies that uphold our values, and A Place to Float does that to a T. Might I recommend our podcast where we had owner Aaron Douglas on? He's an incredible human with a genuine passion to give us all a place to just zen out. If that isn't enough, then let me tell you one fun fact. Okay, 
Yes, we all know Rogan floats, but guess who else floats? I'll give you one clue. You brought a fucking Pomeranian bowling? If you didn't get that reference, probably because I have a terrible imitating Jeff Bridges. But like, the fucking dude, he floats. Are we shocked? No. Okay, so if you want to be as epic as the dude, then use our code UNMASK to save yourself 20% on your first float. That's U-N-M-A-S-K-E-D to save yourself 20%. Welcome to Unmask the Podcast. We're here with Matt Wallstrom. Matt, will you introduce yourself, please? Yes, sir. So my name is Matt Wallstrom. I uh, was born in Los Angeles, California and grew up in Southern California. I moved to Virginia right before high school. Um, I was always into art and all things art, drawing, painting, photography, music, all of that. So that was a big part of my upbringing was just spending time exploring those different mediums. Um, When I grew up, I ended up getting in the fitness industry for about 15 years. So I used to manage health clubs and uh, I worked as a consultant for health clubs around the country where we would go in and teach sales, uh, sales, marketing, we do talent acquisition. um, And I spent a lot of time in that, which was great. And in 2011, I transitioned from fitness into real estate. So my wife and I, our primary role is real estate agents, uh, licensed in DC, Virginia, Maryland. So we've been owning and operating our real estate team for about almost eight years now. Um, Three years ago, I started a clothing brand called Epic Roll that is a jujitsu lifestyle brand, clothing brand, right? Uh, Which got to love that. So that was a great thing to turn. Yeah, Yeah, I've been training jujitsu for 16 years. I'm black belt under um, Tom DeBlas and uh, Silverback Academy. And, um, and in 2008, I invented a bottle, uh, that is a dual compartmentalized bottle that allows you to keep, you know, formula it was actually invented for babies, but formula and water in a separate or in the same container till you're ready mixes. So it's kind of, I own the technology of how that actually works That's and awesome. we're kind of working on, yeah, bringing that to market. Hopefully, um, that tail end of this year, beginning of next year. And, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm a, I'm a guy that likes to explore the world. So I, you know, you have three businesses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. You're probably one of the busiest people ever. I, I can't <laughs> you have time for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. It was my pleasure. I, I, you know, I mean, it's not one of those things that I do uh, for any other reason, but because it's just, I'm in a place in life where I've worked really hard to intentionally get to these, to, to this place. And it took a lot of going through corporate and, you know, ups and downs and to, to get to a spot where it actually, you know, you can kind of take charge of your, your day and, and outline your life the way that you wanted to, which is great. So all of the things that I do, I'm really passionate about. So it helps me on those hard days when you're really stuck and you're tough and it's tough and you don't want to get up to kind of get up and keep grinding and keep moving that needle closer towards, you know, my goals. So, yeah, no, I think it's only appropriate though, that you got into like art and fitness in Southern California, because the last time I was there, that's, that's I mean, all I wanted to do. The art culture is <laughs> is real down there. It's amazing. We're in Southern California. So I was born in Los Angeles, and then I lived in Simi Valley, Thousand Oaks. Okay. Um, okay. That that whole area, 
um which is it was great i mean california in the 80s that was like oh that was like the one of the best californias you know what i mean it was like, something you could bottle it yeah <laughs> yeah if you could bottle it it would just be like cocaine and rock music waves and just yeah <laughs> hanging out is just great you know yeah yeah awesome great. time so i feel fortunate yeah i grew up like it was about 30 minutes from malibu beach is where i grew up so oh, wow you know just a good spot um yeah. a lot of fun yeah we get to go back and and visit lax we still have family out there but okay, definitely changed a little bit not sure that i could uh post up there uh nowadays but it yeah. was cool for a minute Different yeah times. yeah for definitely. sure i yeah. um went and visited when I was like, I don't know, 13, San Diego. And like, I loved it. The person I was with, or like, we went and visited, she lived on this beautiful mountaintop. And I'm just like, I just want to be here, like all the time. Yeah, I, I've only been to California when it's been like a vacation. So I only associate that state with good things. Yeah. So part of me is like, man, I'd love to live there. But then I'm in Indiana where traffic is like subpar compared to like that and I'm like right. I would I would hate myself driving in that every day I think it depends on the type of cal like what is your California experience if you're you know uber wealthy and can live in certain areas and kind of insulate yourself from a lot of the bullshit then that's one thing but if it's but you know if you're out there having to go on the 405 every day and grind you know, like two and a half hour commute and you know <laughs> yeah I mean it, it it can be tough but I remember driving down, um, it's called PCH Pacific coast highway and, and, you know, right. Cruising through Malibu and there was traffic, but I was in a convertible and I was like driving and I had the beach on my right and just the Hills of Malibu on my left. I was like, you know, there's worse places to be in traffic if I'm being honest. Cause when I'm driving through like DC and it's gray skies and it's DC and I'm looking around, I'm like, this is not the same kind of traffic. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's cornfields. So yes, I yeah. understand. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So a little bit, little bit of a different uh yeah. setup here. But so what made you get into real estate? That feels like a very it's a one right turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was sort of interested in the investing side of it. So like we will flip homes too, and and that was my initial interest in real estate came from wanting to do house flipping and wanting to be in the investment side. Right. And so yeah. the residential side of it just came as the natural byproduct of, of what you do, you know, that's going to make you the most money. Um, when we were first getting into it, cause I, I moved to Nashville with my family, we moved and we helped open up a restaurant. Um, and we were in Nashville for a little bit, which was amazing and a lot of fun. But we ended up moving back, selling the restaurant and moving back. And um, we had sold our home that we were renting out while we were in Nashville. So we got back, got another house. And I was like, you know, that time that we sold, that sort of gave us the, the, the equity we had built in that house, gave me that cushion to be able to break into real estate. Because, you know, it's, it's hard. You're going from, yeah. you know, uh, salaried positions to full commission. And, you know, that transition can be tough. Sure. I just had my second son. We just bought a house. So it was like a lot going on, but I, again, I was really interested in it and I was not a very studious kid. Like growing up, I didn't get the best grades in school or anything like that. I was, you know what I mean? I'm drawing and hanging out and talking, you know what I'm saying? You're my people. So, um, uh, so that was just not a thing. But when I got into real estate, I was one of three people that actually passed our our schooling for it because I got really into it. I was like passionate about it. And I was like, man, I wish I could have like found this 
in the schooling that I was doing growing up, like I probably would have, you know, excelled much better. It was, it was my own blockage, right? Like I didn't have a connector point to why I was doing these things at school. They didn't make sense. They weren't fun. There just wasn't that connection. So when I applied it to something that I was interested in, like, like real estate, I sort of, you know, excelled and took to it um, very quickly. And, you know, once now that we've been into it seven, eight years, um, you get to a point where you really sort of build your business. And that was kind of where I was at was I didn't want to invest in working with companies anymore because I had been burned in these corporate settings Same. enough times that I was like, yeah. you know, when people would say, aren't you worried about job security, like working for yourself, isn't that scary? And I was like, look, if you're not the boss, if you don't own that company, you're, you're never going to have job security. Like you can think all you want, but you know, if I'm not the boss and I understand, like sometimes people, right. They need to sell. They're going to make money. They have an exit strategy that doesn't always involve me or you or, and, and that's just the way it goes. So I had to kind of position myself uh, to be in the driver's seat so that the time and effort I was investing in these businesses and these, you know, ventures, I, I didn't have to worry about it. Like I kind of felt if I don't accept failure, if I'm not willing to fail, then I don't have to worry about it. So that was my security was just betting on myself. That's, that makes sense. That's the yeah. best way to go. I feel like, see, I, uh, when I was younger, I used to work a lot of hours. I would, you know, cause I felt like I didn't have a college degree, but I thought if I worked hard enough, put enough effort, you know, somebody's going to give me a good raise and I'm going to make good money and all this other stuff. And like, it was just, feeding that machine and yeah. like and i came out with nothing you know like you don't get rich on time and a half <laughs> and it just so now it's like now I'm, I'm i'm feeling on that it's like we're we're doing this podcast thing you know I, i'm fighting professionally I'm, I'm doing things that i'm passionate about and it's way more fun than school <laughs> well it's interesting because it's like i i don't know i think it's it's fun to meet other people who didn't really buy into the scam of college who just kind of like, no, I can figure it out or just maybe just didn't have the money. Like I didn't have the time or money. I had my daughter when I was really young and I just couldn't go. I'm going now, but it's more because I'm like really interested in the subjects that I'm learning. So, but yeah, I mean, you just find a way and I love that. Do you, does that translate over to jujitsu like for you? Um, that mentality of just being like, no, I'm going to find this, this path or. I think patience has definitely been a, uh, a critical aspect that I've had to learn over the years in all aspects of life, because, you know, for example, the bottle project that I've been working on, I invented that in 2008 and you imagine going through patents takes years and yeah. patent attorneys. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to be an inventor. I didn't know how to patent products and manufacture things and go through all. So that was just a, you know, a really long, I mean, it's been 14 years, you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, people just give up on things and they go, screw it. Like I'm done. Or you just stop. And I've just committed this idea. Okay. Of, of, you know, where I'm going. And I think with jujitsu is like, I fell in love with it. And after about, you know, a couple of years, if you stick with it, pending an injury or something, usually people don't quit, right? Like usually it's something extenuating that happens. It takes somebody out of it. But I, you know, it took me 16 years of training to get a black belt. You know, it was a, and, and it was, I had all kinds of, you know, delays and things with that. And it just, you know, at the end of the day, um, life is so short. 
And you got to fill yourself with things that are positive and that help you be the best version of you for your kids, for your community, for your goals and everything you're doing. So jujitsu became a aspect that taught me patience. It taught me how to be uh, comfortable in uncomfortable situations. It connected me with a community of people that was just, you know, like the closest thing to family that you could, you can get. It afforded me to connect with people across the world who were, you know, for buying Epic Roll stuff. In the past three weeks, I had a sale in Azerbaijan, Serbia, and uh, Alaska. Wow. You know what I mean? So I just think to myself, would I have ever been able to connect with these people in these different places, you know, if it wasn't for jujitsu. So it's just, it was, that was a cool thing that sort of just came in as part of that community and thing that I was able to monetize and treat as a, as a, another, um, revenue stream, right? Because for millionaires, you have to have an average of six to seven revenue streams. And so it's just, that was, that became like another part of it just so happened that it was in an industry that I love, you know, very sort of niche thing, but, um, but in a growing uh, community. So I think, I think there were lessons that I learned in jujitsu that I applied in business and vice versa, you know, that sort of all played together. So, so I had heard, I listen to Chewy's podcast every week. So I'd, I'd already knew about Epic Roll and everything. So what, um, I guess, what kind of started that idea for you? Like, did you just go, you know what? I really want to make some Velcro shorts. And was that was that came up? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you know, I, I found out about drop shipping. If you're familiar with drop shipping at all. So, okay. So drop shipping is the ability for people to resell other products, either like white labeling or with like your own brand, but products that are already out there to people. So what it solves is your inventory problem. So for example, like I have over 50 different shirt designs, some of which I have available in eight different sizes and like 11 colors. So try to imagine holding inventory on that when you're trying to anticipate who's going to want what or who's right. So this sort of allows you to set up your your products with vendors or like um, fulfillment centers, you know, and uh, companies um, where if you were to order this shirt, for example, and you were in California, then that the print, the, the distribution or manufacturer that I use, they have fulfillment centers all over the world. So they would use the one that was closest to the order, like out in California, they would get this, this shirt, the, the design, they would print it, package it, ship it, charge the client, give me my money. They take their cut. That's a wrap. So it's very, once you set it up, that portion of it's automated. Um, so I found out about drop shipping and I actually thought to myself, maybe I could do it with women's clothing, like, like a Lululemon type of thing. I, I, I was trying to find some kind of products that would make sense to drop ship and things that I, you know, were better than selling like a closet, like a clothes hanger or some, something ridiculous. So I had all these statistic and reasons and things that I, you know, research I did, where I was like, this is going to be great. So I, I set it all up, I launch it and it was just like crickets, you know, it was just nothing. I put all the time in the back end of setting this up and it was just didn't happen. And right around that same time, I, I came up with the name Epic Roll. I think I try to go back, you know, you try to like, remember, like, what was it exactly? I think I had finished rolling with a buddy of mine, Philip, um, who's one of our black belts as well. And, and I was like, Oh, man, that was like an epic roll, you know, like we had like, and it just sort of flowed. I was like, Oh, you know, I was like, Okay, cool. So I, I being like a designer and, and, you know, artist, I, I laid out a logo. And I was like, I can make some t shirts just 
some cool t-shirts says epic uh, epic roll and i initially intended them to be sort of ranked uh, in some have some sort of ranking to them because everybody spends a lot of time in these belts, right? You know, I was a purple belt, I think for like eight years, something stupid. So, um, so that was sort of the, the initial idea was make ranked, you know, jujitsu shirts. It didn't seem like a overly saturated industry. You know, you had like choke Republic and the, you know, whatever these couple of companies that were putting stuff out, things you'd see at like jujitsu tournaments, you know, and, um, and, so I started making them and people were like, Oh, that's cool. Like, I like that. I like that logo. That's kind of neat. That's kind of, and then I put out another design and then I put out a few more designs and then it got to a point where people were asking, Hey, do you make rash guards or like, have you ever made, do you make geese? Do you make shorts? And over the past three and a half years now, it just evolved from making a few t-shirts on the side to what I'm doing now, which is, you know, I mean, over six figures in revenue, you know, a year with this. And, um, and it's, it was a side hustle, you know, that just turned into a second full-time job. Um, and I've been so fortunate because I think some of the connections that I had in this through jujitsu prior was a really big, uh, head start. You know, if you think about whatever it is, whatever business you're starting, if you happen to have contacts in that business, it obviously is, you know, can be beneficial. So, um, different athletes and different people that I started working with, um, Chewy and, you know, McDojo life. I started doing all of their apparel. So I designed all of Rob's apparel for McDojo life and working with Mason Fowler and Yuri Samoz and Killcliffe energy. I'm designing all their jujitsu gear now. Um, uh, I'm working. Those. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's been amazing. Like sometimes I sit back and I'm like, I don't even know why I'm designing these people's things. Like I look at like Mason Fowler and I'm like, my gosh, this guy's like one of the best grapplers uh, on the planet and he's, you know, a nice guy and awesome. And I got the opportunity to, you know, like bring his brand to life and, and put out, you know, cool designs. That's, that's kind of my portion of it. And yeah. I guess I was sort of pleasantly surprised at how receptive people are. You know, if you come to people with a very give to get attitude, um, where I'm not pushing stuff down their throat, I'm not asking, you know, Hey, let me send you a rash guard and you have to post something or you have to buy it or you have to do, I was just very organic with people. And I've just, been focused on growing the brand. Um, and because this wasn't my main job, I think I was able to do it a little bit more of a relaxed manner where it was just easy and organic and the relationships that we were building, we're building were organic. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't force anybody to buy anything or try to make people feel like they got to buy stuff. If they want it, they want it. If they don't, they don't, it's fine. Um, but it's been so well received in the community that, um, that it really motivated me to keep going and to, to keep pushing. And I mean, it's a lot of work. Like I am, I, I can't even tell you, cause I, it's me, you know what I mean? That's it. Like designing everything, making the website, dealing with the social media, every bit packaging stuff, <laughs> shipping it, you know? So it's, it's a lot of work, yeah. but I love it. But I think to, as a testament to you, like you're a very genuinely and sincere person. And I think, people who want to do good things will pick pick up on that obviously so like the idea of not selling someone on something it just sells itself almost you know and right. you're that's so cool that you were able to do that because i know a lot of people get so scared out of starting small businesses and you're just like if you just start it and just be real about it and that's something you love like people gravitate towards that 
Yeah. It's hard. It's a hard balance, you know, um, to do things when you're, when it's all about money versus passion, it's like a weird balance because I understand when you're, you know, certain people at certain times in their life, they're more in a survival mode, right? Like they're just, they're, they're in that scarcity, not abundance mindset. And they're doing things to take care of their family. And like, I've certainly been there so many times. It wasn't about that. It was more about just, you know, every time there was a little roadblock, every time there was a situation where I had to kind of deal with stuff here and now, I just didn't let my dreams or aspirations die in those moments. Like I allowed myself to just take a detour or a pause, handle what I needed to, and then get back on track to the big plan, the master plan of where I was trying to design my life and how, what I wanted to, you know, give to people around me and to my family and the lifestyle I wanted to lead and all those things. Um, and just taking the steps to, to get back to that, which, you know, can be challenging and um, really tough. But I think at this point in my life, like I look at, the results. I look at, you know, the first year of Epic Roll, I sold $2,400 in the entire year. So to go from $2,400 to over six figures in three years for jujitsu clothes, I was like, okay, like that gave me a lot of hope to say, wow, that's like that there must be something there. You know, I just need to keep taking care of customers and keep growing the brand and just keep being me and be patient, right? Again, like not letting it get to where, you know, that's what I've struggled with is, is trying to push it to be at a higher level than it is at all the time, which requires way more money and manpower and all these different things and leveraging debt. And so I'm trying to find that balance because it gets tough. People will be like, Hey, when are you going to be back in stock of this and stock of that? And I literally, I sat down to do an inventory order of what I was out of stock and I have it all total. Right. So I was like, I need this, I need this, I need this. It's $20,000 worth of stuff that I was just out of stock that I had, you know, to order. And I was like, holy shit, like this is, you know, and I can't order three pairs of black shorts. They'll be gone by the time I get them. You know what I mean? So I'm ordering 10, 15 pairs, and then you have multiple sizes. And that's just one pair of, you know, shorts, like got four colors. I have designs that I haven't even put out because of that, you know, geese that I haven't even put out because of the, you know, um, because of the way that this all works, but I'm fortunate that there are things like drop shipping and there have been these resources because without that, it would have been nearly impossible without social media and without that type of a setup, I, I couldn't have grown the brand, you know, like I just couldn't have. Yeah, you use a drop shipping and I think about it. Are we actually have podcast shirts through like a drop ship thing now that you described it? I'm like, Oh, we do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's yeah. It's the best, right? I mean, it just, it's very hard to do. You're sacrificing your profit a little bit, right? If then, then having stuff in stock, but how many martial arts schools are different, you know, small business, they, they, you know, they get their swag, they get their t-shirts made, but then they're sitting on a box of them, right? Because they bought 400 mediums and they needed a bunch of larges and this and that. So there, there's a trade-off, but, um, and I really don't know. I sit and think about a lot how this looks as a transition, you know, like where you take the business from what it is now and what's that next level. Everybody's like, oh, you got to hire somebody. You got And I'm like, to do what? Sit in my house? Like while I go, hey, I just got an order. So pack up this order and then just sit around for a little bit longer and do some other stuff. You know, it's not at that. It's, it's a weird, it's at a weird spot where it just unfortunately requires a lot of my time. And, and 
the relationships that I'm building, the designs that I'm working on, I just can't outsource those. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the reality is that my leverage right now is my design ability. It's the, it's the ideas and the things that I'm able to bring to life with this to where it, it's not um, the traditional, like very aggressive in your face type of stuff. It's like lifestyle gear, like anybody could wear. You, you could, you know what I mean? It doesn't, you don't necessarily even know all the time if it's jujitsu stuff. And um, so I think that allowed it to, uh, you know, like you don't see any older women wearing like tap out shirts typically, or like certain, you know what I mean? There's just like a, there's, there's certain things they won't do. So I've, I've been able to capture like a big female audience through this too, which I think has been really cool to, to, to see as well. So. Yeah. I mean, it definitely helps that you're right in the hub of jujitsu. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know what everyone around you is wanting and asking for. I mean, you wear all the hats, so you can kind of guide it where you need it to go. I am really bad at delegating. Um, so I feel that on a really personal level. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize how much I liked being in charge of literally everything until I started working where I am now. And I do a musical every year and everyone's like, what can I help you with? And I'm like, nothing, just let me do my stuff. <laughs> but in reality, it's almost like if I let go of that control a little bit, I know it would help me a little bit. Do you ever find like trying to recruit someone who's really close to you that could work side by side with you like that? Or are you still like, no? <laughs> so far, it's been my kids, to be honest with you. Oh, I my, my like my so my my boys, um, my oldest son, Tyler, he's 16. He trains with us. I've been tra they've been training since they were five. Um, so he's about to get his blue belt. Um, and uh yeah, it's just, you know, he's involved in it. So he, you know, gives him an opportunity to, to, to kind of see what I'm doing. And that's been logistically the one that makes most sense. I'm like, Hey, I'll pay you, yep. you know, I'll pay you and you can help. Cause ultimately all these businesses I'm trying to grow, I want to be able to pass on to them and to our family and be able to, you know, um, grow these things for them so that they can not, not that I want my kids to ever be spoiled rich kids. It's that I just want them to be able to pursue their passions in life with, you know, and if I can ease some of the financial burden to allow them to just, you know, I mean, life again, it's so short, like I hate to harp on that, but it's just one of those that like my mortality plays in my head a lot with my motivation to like get off my ass and do the things I got to do because clock's ticking, you only have so much time, you know, and, and so I'm an ambitious guy. I want to like, you know, I, I want to do a lot of things and I want to set myself up. And I also don't want to be working until I'm 80. So, you know, I want to like grind now while I'm, you know, I'm 41 and while I'm young and still I say young, like it's I'm 41, I'm young. Yeah, that's totally young. But you know what I mean? Just like while you have the time and the energy and everything. And um, so, you know, not that I'm going to push these, these businesses on them that, that they have to do. Um, but certainly will be there for them if it's an interest and something that they want to pursue and want to be a part of as well. So, yeah, 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 for sure. No, and I love that because I think also it, I mean, it's such a huge life lesson for them that they can easily put on a resume or, you know, I mean, see what it takes to actually run a business. And I don't think enough, I mean, that's, I, that's something you don't learn in school. No, you yeah. don't learn any of that. No, they, they, they really don't. And I get it. Like, it's not for everybody, right? Being an entrepreneur and being a business, it's not for everybody. Um, you know, like th there are certain people like that are really 
built well for corporate and working in teams and doing this and that. And it's just, I think that's what makes the world go round. Like you got to have different strokes for different folks. And it's, you know, that's, that's totally cool. Um, this was me just being true to myself and trying to say, what am I, you know, what, what am I good at? Like, what are my things that, that I can give to the world? And what are those businesses that fall within those scope of, um, you know, either talents or characteristics or, you know, whatever that I have to try and make me happy. There's a thing called the, um, Eulerian destiny, I think is what it's called. And it's basically these rings, almost like the, um, Olympic rings that you would imagine, you know, all kind of connecting. And in each one of those rings, it asks a question about you, like what, what have you done professionally for the past past 10 years? What would your parents say are your strongest attributes? You know, what would your friends say about you? What would be something that you and your friends could sit around talking about, like on a Saturday night, just all night together. And, and basically through answering these questions, the idea is to then be able to take those and, and kind of break them down into subcategories and find the, the, the career paths and jobs and things that you can do that sort of fit those characteristics um, so it's an idea to try to just help people through kind of going, what, what am I good at? Or what should I be doing? Or what should I'm passionate about? Because I've talked to a lot of people and I've, I've been actually pretty surprised when I ask them like, Hey, what do you, what do you want in life? Like, what do you want your life to look like? How do you, if you wait, if you could be, have it be structured any way that you want, what would that look like? And a lot of people just don't know. They don't, you know, I've had friends be like, I'm not sure. And I'm like, well, that's a really tough way to navigate life because you're, you don't know what you want to do. So then if you're working backwards, how do you know what steps to take every day to get where you want to go? Right. You have to know what your goals are very clear on what your goals are. I uh, actually subscribe to a planner specifically because it's called a passion planner and she started her own business, but they have like a literal mind map where they say, sit down in five minutes and write everything that you think you want your life to be. If you could have magical genie, what would you wish for? And, and then they take you through. And I mean, the idea for me to have smart goals, um, it just, it's propelled me in such a much more efficient way to live my life, I guess, for lack of a better term, because I'm not getting sidetracked by random things that are just going to throw me off and and then I'm going to be mad when I, I don't get to the goal that I wanted because I'm right. too, you know, over here or wherever. But yeah, I, I always tell people like sit down and really think about what you want your future to look like yeah. and then work there towards that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm big into that. I'm big into laws of attraction and vision boards and all this stuff because it's just you know, on a molecular level, like we are energy. And so these things make sense to me. And I've had so many situations in my life where I've laid these things out and put a lot of intention behind it and had them work out. So I didn't have to become a believer anymore. I was like, you can call it woo woo. You can call it whatever, you know, that's, that's totally cool. But, um, I think you have to have some level of childhood belief, like as we're, you know, as kids, we believe that we can do anything and go anywhere. And, um, you know, but then as we get, older and we become adults, we start to lose that. And we start to get, you know, blasted by society telling us that we can't do this, or we can't do that, or we have to have a weird relationship with money, or we, you know, it's, we can't ask for these audacious things, we can't try to strive for big goals. And it doesn't mean that everybody has to go after, right? Because money, money is not the most important thing in the world, but it certainly affects all the things that are the most important thing in the world to people. 
right? So it doesn't have to be your God, but it's certainly, you know, for me, when I look at what I can provide my family, it's unfortunately, it's a big part of it. So I do think about that and I do, you know what I mean? That's, that's a big part of it, but I, um, but I got very clear on that. I got very clear on my, my goals and things I wanted to do. And I don't have it all mapped out. Like I don't have this plan. I don't think anybody really does. I think that what you have to do is believe in what you want, believe that it's possible, and then just get up and try every day to take a few steps, right? Go, go to sleep a little bit smarter than you, than you woke up. Try to do one or two small things. It's that compound interest of those small actions every single day over a long period of time that I think have the biggest result. Whereas people go in and they get gung ho, like I want to lose weight. So day one, they're killing themselves and they're pumped up and pumped up. And then what happens like a week or two and they start to fizzle and you start to go off. You know what I mean? It's the consistency. And, and I, I, I used to really believe that you had to be some genius or you had to have some college degree. Or you had to be this, you know, whatever person to accomplish these things. I was like, wait, some of the most incredible people in this world were dyslexic or dropped out of high school or, you know, high school and never went to college. And this isn't a campaign to say, Hey, drop out of school. You know, if you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be a lawyer, if you're going to be certain things that require a basis of education that's outlined and very clear, then you have to do that. But if you don't know, and you want to run a business, if you want to, you know, it's a different path. And like you said, you know, college, I mean, what a, <laughs> that can be a, a, you know, such a huge financial burden for people starting out, you know, where they're like paid a hundred thousand dollars to get a degree for a job that they're going to make $30,000 a year for, you know what I mean? That just doesn't make sense. Like, don't, I want to be like, don't even get me started because it just pisses me off so much. It's just the idea of, you know, college being shoved down a bunch of kids who, I mean, I teach kids who I genuinely am like, maybe don't go to college. Like, it's not that deep. Um, because I personally, until I matured enough to understand how focus works and how I can help myself focus, there's no fucking way I would have been able to go and succeed. And now I can take it bit by bit and class by class and really, you know, go at my own pace, which is ideal. But like, there are so many people there that are like, I just want to get through this. I just want to get through this. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. When I was getting out of high school, I was having college crammed down my throat. And like, I had no clue what I wanted to do. And as an 18, 19 year old, my thought was, well, I just need something that makes good money. But like, now I'm just like, but I need something that, that, that fulfills my, my heart. You know, that makes right. me feel like I'm, because otherwise I hate it. I'm not going to want to yeah. do, you know? So like, I, I kind of like, tried to go and I was gonna like and they were like well you need to get loans and everything kept like falling out of place that wouldn't get me there to get into school so then I was like you know what I'm just fuck it I'm not gonna do it right now <laughs> and you know what I'm yeah. happy I didn't because like I wouldn't have been happy yeah if I'm, if I'm not excited about it going in every day and 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 put my nose to the books well then it's just it's not gonna happen there's a reason why I was a C student all the time because yeah. I didn't care you know yeah. like I didn't I mean I hated math Let's be real. Math is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I literally told my son, I was like, hey, bro, hope you're paying attention in class because I can't help you. <laughs> like if you come home with some fucking geometry, I mean, he has literally come home with stuff and I'm like, oh my God, like, like, what are you, are you calculating things for NASA? Like what, yes. what are you doing? What is this math that you are doing? That's yeah. exactly how I feel. And like, the funny thing is, is that even um, they're just learning it different as well. Yeah. So like, 
I always was like borrowing yeah. numbers and carrying numbers and hand, my daughter was like, we don't even do that anymore. No, it was like a whole new kind of math that they do, like all this other shit that they're doing now. With How many years has it been since I've looked at those books? Like, I know, that's what I'm saying. I graduated in 1998, man. Like, you know, what are we doing? Yeah, no, that's what, that's why I was like, anyway, there's things on the internet who can show you better. So <laughs> yeah, shout I mean, out, shout out to Khan Academy. Honestly. Yes. Khan Academy. Oh my God. Um, how did you get into jujitsu? So I did martial arts a little bit growing up, like Taekwondo, like every other white kid growing up in America. Right. Um, so I did that for a little bit, really didn't, you know, latch onto it or anything. Um, and when I was in my early twenties, I didn't really start working out until like after high school, getting into college. And, um, I think it was around that time. So I got married in 2005 and early 2000s, Ultimate Fighter, the reality show. Remember when that came out? Yes. Um, I used to have a school with this guy, Sal, who his cousin was Kenny Florian. So I got to train with them and I was training with um, uh, the Yamasaki Academy for a bit. Um, and Mario used to be a ref for the UFC. That was like when it was cool to have him be the ref of the UFC. And now he's got like a terrible reputation and the, <laughs> they're like, he'll never ref here again. I'm like, uh, it's not so cool anymore to, to post that. But um, anyway, yeah, I, I, that came out and I felt like I wanted to learn self-defense. Like I would just wanted to you know, have that aspect. Like I didn't feel like I really had that under control. And I saw the show and I saw jujitsu and I knew nothing about it. I, I was like, okay. So I Googled like jujitsu schools near me. And at the time I was doing graphic design, web design, and the school that popped up just had the best website. So when I laid out the criteria for a great jujitsu school, it was like, how good's your website? Because if it's crap, you obviously don't care about your business. Like that was my prerequisite because I knew nothing. And so I went in for my first class. I remember, you know, this was a time where it was a much different um, community in a sense, at least in my area, where things were much more old school. Like if you didn't survive, you don't want to come in like, cool, you're a little bitch. You don't want to come back. Cool. You know what I mean? Like no one's holding your hand and hugging you and making sure you're integrated into the school. Well, and this and that, no, it was like hardcore. You know what I mean? Like when you got belts, we, you know, you got beat, it was doing the whole like old school thing. And I went and I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. Like I was rolling with people and I remember just going, I, I can't do anything. And for whatever reason, I didn't know anybody in the class, you know, I just, I just, which was very sort of like at that time, I think out of character for me to just pop into an intimidating environment like that and just go into it. But I did. And it took me about six months to finally start to like gather a little bit of knowledge with it to kind of make sense where I could go in and feel like I could roll and be somewhat competent. And, um, and I really latched onto it after a while I started, I, I, at that point, I wanted to start fighting MMA. So I told my instructor, I was like, I want to fight. And he said, listen, I want you to do one more year of jujitsu, like get a good base, get your two years of jujitsu in, and then you can fight. And I was like, okay, that's like, that seems pretty reasonable, you know, to have a basis because at that time, still the UFC was kind of segregated into these different class of fighters. We had like the Muay Thai fighter and the wrestler and the jujitsu guy. And so I was like, cool, this will be like my, my thing. I'll be the jujitsu guy. And so I, you know, I trained, I think I had my first MMA fight the day after I got my blue belt, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
and fought for two years and had a great time. And, but after that, I, I, you know, was having kids and I was like, this is just not, if I'm not going to do this for like a career, it's a lot for a hobby, <laughs> you know, like the risk of getting hurt and all the training. I was doing jujitsu three, four days a week, my cardio and conditioning, I had a boxing coach, wrestling coach. It was like a whole thing. And I'm like, who the hell am I Rocky here? Like, what am I doing? I'm just, I, I didn't even, everybody's like, why do you want to fight? I'm like, I just didn't get into a fight when I was growing up. And so I just wanted to see yeah. how do I fare? And, and, and after you train jujitsu for a while, you're like, Oh, you kind of assume that in just a average Joe bar fight, somebody that doesn't isn't trained, like if you're a blue belt, you're going to probably be way leaps and bounds above people. Right. So I was like, I just want to see how, how it goes. And so when I, I, I'll never forget getting to that first event and it was in this big Dulles sportsplex and the guy that was fighting before me got taken out of the ring in a stretcher with like oxygen. Like he came in and it was like one of those guys that just didn't have a camp or a team. He just wanted to go in and fight. And that was just a mistake because he just got his ass beat. Yeah. So he came out of stretcher and then I was just like, Oh shit, like this got real. You know what I mean? Like that's not the thing you want to see right before you're about to go in the ring. But I like held it together and I got in there and I, and I remember the second the bell rang, I was like walking towards the center of the ring and I was looking down at my feet and they were just moving like, and I wasn't trying to walk, but they were just moving. And I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? I was like, what am I doing right now? Cause there's a whole room full of people that are about to watch us fight. And it was just a concept that was so foreign. I was like, oh shit, here we go. You know, this is it. And, um, I ended up winning, you know, with a TKO in the first uh, round, um, in that match, but, but it was, uh, man, it was a fight or flight moment for sure. And so I think after that, you know, you get a guy, it's like in his twenties, he's fighting MMA. You're just like, you feel like a badass. you're doing jujitsu. It was, it didn't take a lot of convincing to get me into that sort of mode and, you know, um, and, and training for it. But after that, I recognize that this is just a, this is a, a, a painful long road if I'm not doing this as a career, right? Like professionally fighting. And so I backed off of the MMA and just uh, kept doing jujitsu and sort of never looked back, you know? I mean, you can't if you want your black belt. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's blue belt. All right. right. Yeah. Somebody go quit at blue belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I do jujitsu. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was, it's been great. It's been a great, uh, great journey for sure. You're, so you said your son does jujitsu then? He's about to get, and you said you just had your second son or? No, so my I have one that's uh, Jet, who is 11, and Tyler, who is 16. Okay, do they yeah. both jujitsu then? Yeah. Yay. Yeah, I have a whole dojo in my house. I was like in our in this house that we that we built. I was like looking in the basement. I said, I have to have a room to build out a dojo. So I have a whole dojo built out down there um, uh, that we'll you know we'll train in when we're not like at the academy. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was a. Had to, I had to I had to get into it. I I knew as as boy, I mean, whether I had girls, they would still be doing jujitsu. Wow. Like I've taught so many girls that beat the crap out of boys. It's the best thing in the world. I love watching it. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. So I, I know that down the line, they will appreciate it. I mean, my son has beat adults like at our school. I mean, he's like a killer now. And people come up to me like, holy shit, like Tyler's really good. Like he's, you know, and I'm like, 
it's kind of crazy. I think about that perspectively. I'm like, I got my blue belt when I was 27. He's getting his blue belt at 16. Dude, uh, just, that is one that's of, gnarly. It's yeah. so wild. And I, when I did, um, was it Fuji that I was? I think I, when I did Fuji and I went against a like a 14 year old and she just beat the shit out of me and I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. What is fucking happening? I, I, <laughs> I those kids that like they they come in like they come in at like 10 years old and like you know at that point they're my size because you know I'm not a tall guy. <laughs> you know? Then they're Dude. 16 and they're like. 200 pounds of sheer muscle getting their blue belt like starting to get that man strength and i'm like what the hell i have why no idea. crazy wild what is this right he, he's he was like 180 80 pounds like a uh, five foot 10 180 pounds and i mean just like i'm like okay and now i was talking to my brother-in-law about it today and he's like you know he's like tyler's because i finally got him training after like seven years of me asking my, my brother-in-law finally got in and he nerds <laughs> out and loves it now but he's like man tyler's getting really good like you can't just like sleep on him you know because he's he's in there with us he's the only kid in our in our school we don't have a kids program so he came in at you know at 15 and trains with him and we have 10 active black belts like 12 brown belts we have i mean our school is like top notch top notch like uh, um and i think prospectively going for so many years and going and traveling around and training at so many different places it like i i can say that very confidently and so he's gotten just exposed to incredible levels of jujitsu learning in modalities that that make sense and are connected and it's been amazing to see his progress you know um so i'm i'm super stoked for him because we had this whole thing he's like when do you think i'll be able to tap you dad and i was like i do have old man strength i was like i do have old man strength dad power that black belt old man strength i was like you know that counts for something but but now the more <laughs> the better he gets i'm like shit I'm like, you know, another, he's like lifting all the time with his friends at the gym. I'm like, Oh God, I'm like, I get it. I get a lift a lot too now. I'm like, I can't let him beat me, you know? Yeah, no. Yeah. You're never so. gonna live it down. Yeah. No, no. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta fight that one out. So it might happen sooner than I think. <laughs> yeah, Cause yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm five, five, 150, 155 pounds. Yeah. 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 He said five, 10, one, eight. I'm like, Oh shit. This kid's like huge. Big kid. <laughs> Big kid. Gnarly. Yeah. So he's like, you can be a lot to deal with. And they, and they got, you know, they're all flexible because they're young, you know, I haven't discovered back pain yet. Yeah. Oh, God, man. Yeah. I mean, my body is so it's, I mean, I have like horrible arthritis in my fingers. I've got like golem fingers, you know, my pinky toes broken, my LCL, my knee pops out, my shoulders messed up. My, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's what, but I feel like we're Spartan soldiers, you know, and I feel like we're warriors and this is just, I wouldn't trade it for anything. No, I, no. I, I know people that don't do what we do and complain about back pain and stuff like that. And my boys, you do I'm like, Oh, I just sat on the couch. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, at least I know I can kill people. Like, <laughs> you know? it's, it's weird that self-defense is like a life skill is not a more prominent thing in people's lives. Like for average people, you talk, like we all hang out with fighters and people's, you know, it's a little different circle, but like in general, when you talk to people, most people don't do any kind of physical altercation type of training or any kind of whatever. And I'm like, we fight every week and you kind of forget that perspective. But for some people, I'm like, you don't have to do jujitsu because I get that's not for everybody, but damn, like, 
learn something because right. you're always going to be a potential victim if you have nothing in your arsenal to protect yourself. Yeah, exactly. It actually definitely has come in handy for me. I really, really, I mean, I'm 4'11 and I feel very vulnerable 90% of the time. But after taking jujitsu, I feel like, okay, I have a fighting chance. At yep. least, so. yep. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I mean, somebody grabbing you and you're getting a choke on them. I mean, you know, everybody can be flexible with joints, but when it comes to chokes, you can't, you can't, right. you know, yeah, you take that blood away from them. I don't care how big they are. They're going down. So that's a good thing to know. Yeah, it's and it also gives me like this weird sense of confidence that I walk around with now that I'm like, I can fuck you up. Fuck you up. I'll fuck you up. I can fuck you up. I like walking into a room and like I'll, I'll assist, you know, like see who's in it. I'm like, yeah, I'm the baddest motherfucker here. Cool. All right. <laughs> Just so we're clear. <laughs> So you said you have a, you invented this bottle, which I saw and I really love it. When does it come out? How did that even start? So yeah. So, well, Tyler was, when he was a baby, we had a lot of trouble um, and we had to bottle feed a lot when he was a baby. And so I would be traveling around with containers of formula and bottles of water and the empty bottles. Cause you know, when you mix the, the formula and water, it, it only stays good for a certain amount of time. So you can't just like mix it and let it sit there all day and then feed them later. So I was out with uh, Tyler one day and I was holding him and he's crying and I'm like, shit, I'm trying to make a bottle and I'm going to pour the formula into the bottle and I miss and scoop it like on his head. It was a scene, uh, you know, it was a thing. Okay. And I was like, this is the worst. On a very personal level. You know what I mean? Like, this is terrible. So I, I went home that day and I thought there has to be something else out here that, that, you know, fixes this issue. And there really wasn't. So being, you know, kind of artsy, whatever, I started just sketching out this idea of a bottle that would, you know, allow you to put your formula and water in one bottle, but keep it separate until you're ready to mix it and then push buttons, twist it. And like, a, I was trying to explain like a Parmesan cheese lid lining up, you know, and allows the stuff to fall down into it when you twist it. And so that was the inception of it was what came through, through as a, as a baby bottle. Uh, so I got the utility. So I have two fully granted utility patents on how that actually functions and works the interaction between the upper and lower chamber. So you could basically apply it to anything. It's not, it's not uh, limited to just a baby bottle, if that makes sense. Yeah. No. Um, over the years, my business partner for this now, um, we have a lot more connections in the fitness side and jujitsu side and this and that. So I thought if we could re-engineer it and flip it, we can make it a functional water bottle, have your protein or your green smoothie mix, whatever on the bottom supplements below that and make this modular bottle. What did the same thing. Um, so the mechanics of this are not the most complex and complicated, but, but when you're dealing with watertight seals, it, it can take some time and refining. So, um, you know, I could write a book now on this whole process of taking things through manufacturing and going through this whole process. But what ultimately ends up happening is you do 3D prints as long as you can, right? Yeah, to I take it as far in conceptually as you can. Okay, yeah. That's, that's what you try to do. But when you're getting to dealing with watertight seals and you start getting ready for pre-manufacturing, you have to get tooling made to actually make the parts of the bottle. So you have to get the molds created 
carved out of steel and made for your specific things to actually make the pieces to then put it together to test the water sealability of it. Yeah. That process for the seven parts to make our bottle was $200,000. Okay. Just to make the seven pieces, that's without making a bottle. That's just making the tooling. Okay. That's not mentioning packaging. That's not mentioning shipping. That's not mentioning running the company. That's just, that's just those parts. And then every time, so we get that made, there's what's called an elastomeric overmolding, which is a rubberized seal that is like um, adhered to the plastic during chemically bonded to the plastic during the manufacturing process, similar to a uh, toothbrush that has the little rubber kind of piece that you kind of rub your gums with. And that, um, that is the, basically the seal that's in the bottle. So that process we've had to dial in and change the rubber, the thickness, all kinds of things. And every time you make a change, we have to make it to the CAD drawings, send it to the people, make the part, ship it back, test it. It's a pain in my ass process. That, all, that whole process. Cause does that have to cost you another $200,000 every time you get a new piece No. No, that's a good question. Yeah, no, it's a good question. But but I, what it does do is like, for example, there will be things you really try to like figure out and tr take the the cheapest financial road to get where you're trying to go, right? So we make changes that cost the least amount on a certain progression that makes sense to get us to where we're trying to be rather than making big changes where you know, we might be needing to fill in a space in our cavity or our mold. When you have to start backfilling openings or you have to start drilling out more and making modifications mold, it does cost money every time. I mean, you make one change and it's like, okay, that was $3,000 to make this change and, you know, and to make this change and that. So where do you go from there? They're, because the engineers and the manufacturers, they're making these changes. We're in a research and development phase of trying to perfect this because when you go to manufacturing, there's no do-overs. Like that could be the difference of us making it a ton of money or going completely bankrupt with this, you know, company. So I, uh, you know, so we're, we're basically going through and making these little changes here and there back and forth. Um, and, We've now gotten it pretty dialed in, but there's a few more little tweaks and things that we have to do. And it, again, goes back to this theme of patience, right? Like I want to launch it. I have so many amazing people um, that are wanting to promote it and that are wanting to help us. I mean, like big name people and <laughs> like, God, I wish I had this fucking bottle to put in your hand, but I just, I have to wait to get it. You know, like we have to go through these steps. James Dyson the guy who, you know, the Dyson vacuum guy. I am familiar. Yes. You've heard of this gentleman? Uh, well, he did. It took him 5,127 prototypes on his vacuum. That was great to hear for me. To be honest with you, all I do is try to find other people that had shitty situations and read that and go, okay, keep going, keep going. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, that shit has to cost way more money than my bottle. When you're talking about a vacuum and all the parts and everything had to be more well, so cost like eleven hundred well seven hundred dollars yeah i don't know what how well i mean it just you know but these are those things like it, you just have to i feel like the world needs this product i really i it's been a huge thing of uh you know part of what i've been trying to build for a long time 
It's just that you have to go through these, pro like I didn't know, you can't anticipate these things when you've never gone through it, right? So now I know, and now kind of my goal, you know, I think ultimately is to really grow these brands, but then use my story and my, you know, my struggles and all of this to hopefully inspire other entrepreneurs to go out and kind of take big risks and accomplish their goals and try to pursue these things, you know, so that there's, so we kind of breed a more um, fulfilled society of people. You know, there's a lot of empty people out there that are just kind of going through the motions and going through their day-to-day -day grind, just unhappy, you know, whether you make a lot of money or not, that's not, you know, you, like when you get up and you're not motivated to get out of bed and you're like, oh God, it's because you know, what's coming, you know, and if what's coming, it might not be, you know, <laughs> like a sunny, fun beach day adventure, but it, but at the end of the day, even the work that I do with these companies because I'm passionate about it, because I have these goals in mind, you know, that sort of drives you to kind of get up and, and keep pushing forward and deal with all this bullshit. Because to be honest with you, this was a lot of money. It's taken a lot of my time and I've had a lot, a lot, you know, it's been a lot, but I'm focused on the end results. So I'm trying to just stay true to that, you know? So when you messaged me about the podcast, I was like, it's actually reaching people, you know, like <laughs> people are actually hearing our shit. Yeah. Like, and it's taken, you know, for a while, I felt like her and I were just like talking to ourselves. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, when you said that, I'm like, that was very terrifying on my end where I'm like, oh, I better watch my fucking mouth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it, for, for a while, it's like, like you said, you made $2,400 the first year you started Epic Roll, you know? So it's like, damn, like the first, first year I felt like it was like, her and I, and then like a couple of friends at the gym were listening. And then yeah. next thing you know, it's like people I don't know or ran it or be like, Hey man, love the podcast. I'm like, huh? Have you had that experience yet with your clothing? Like where you'll just go and like see someone wearing like, Holy shit. I designed that shirt. I, I have, so I haven't had it in person. It's like been this thing where I'm like, God. And it's funny. Cause when I was out in Cal, I was on LA, like, uh, a month ago. And my buddy out there who lives in, he lives on Mulholland. I was at his house. I know where Mulholland is. Yeah. Yes. And he, he trains jujitsu and he, and we were sitting there and he goes, dude, I have been out here and I've been out two times and I've seen Epic roll on people. He goes, I was at a UFC fight and someone was wearing it. And yes. then I was out at a store and somebody was wearing it. And I was like, Oh my God, that's nuts. Like I'll pull up Instagram and open up and just be scrolling through. And I'm like, Oh, who's that? Or who's this? Or, you know what I mean? And they'll be just random. Like a lot of people will tag me, but a lot, but there'll be people that just won't. And I just happen to see it. And it's the most humbling thing in the world. Like I really, I, it trips me out because I didn't, I never really thought in the beginning that you, you would have like that level of impact where I have people writing me and they'll be like, this is my favorite jujitsu stuff. Like I see what people spend, you know what I mean? Like my stuff is not the cheapest at all. And so I see what people spend on me and I'm like, man, you know, the, I handwrite everything that I send out to people personally, which would be like rash guards, geese, belts, all I handwrite letters to every single person, you know, that I send out. And just because I want to convey my appreciation for you helping me grow this, this amazing community and this brand, um, because I couldn't do it without that, you know? So I, it's, I mean, I pay for very little advertising. I work with just, you know, I work with Chewy with the podcast. I, I started working with Jamie Kilstein and doing his podcast now and, um, a, f a few people, but really, 
you know, I don't do like paid Facebook ads and go, all this stuff is just organic. And, and that's why my Instagram page is filled with all of the community and the people. It's not like, uh, you know, not that it's a problem, but like, if you look at like Hyperfly or you look at some of these other bigger brands, it's very business and very corporate and they have all these professional and that's totally cool. That's probably the evolution of what everything grows to. Right. But right now I'm like, this is based on community. This is based on like, you know, people wearing this stuff and us just growing this. And I, I will put anybody on the page, you know what I mean? Just to kind of like shout everybody out and say, Hey, this is like the Epic world community is amazing. It's huge. And so when I see somebody ordering stuff in like Alaska, I'm like, I didn't even know people were doing jujitsu in Alaska. You know what I mean? Like, yes. now I say, well, if I comment on your Instagram page, you, you always like it or comment. Yeah. Back. I was like, yeah. And they're, that that aspect is super cool because you know if yeah if i comment on fair text or or anything else like yeah. they're not gonna reply probably no. you know if they do it's somebody who's like paid like you know he's making 20 bucks an hour just paid to run the page you know he's exactly the created that which is very cool it, it's it's neat to see yeah you make the stuff and it's like you built this and you see other people enjoying it which is so cool That's it's cool. so fulfilling yeah. yeah, I love it. I'm really, it's, it's really, it's a really blessed, a uh, big blessing to have and to, cause that's what keeps me going is the comments and the, you know, appreciation and the, and I'm sending this stuff all around the world and it trips me out. You know, you do, you go into this and you realize that like nobody cares for a while, right? You're doing your podcast. I'm making posts, three likes, two listens, whatever you're like, you know, but that's just how it is. And that's like, if you're, if you get into this with this idea that like, you're going to pop in and all of a sudden now it's you and Rogan, you know, and those are the two top podcasts, you know, or like me and some big brand, you know, it's like, they'd be like, you know, one day Versace and then Epic Roll. It's, it's, it, you know, nobody cares for a long time. And, uh, but again, it goes back to that notion of consistency, right? Like you stay true to it. You keep putting it out there. You keep building content. And then eventually it happens. Um, we have developed a society filled with people that want things instantaneously all the time, you know, like I want my shit right now. And so that naturally puts people in this adverse mindset of, yeah, of like taking time. And, you know, I'm like, have you ever done a book report without Google? Right. That that sucks do that you know the dewey decimal system do you know the dewey decimal system you know (laughs) they're over here using an app to scan their their uh math problems and then getting it all laid out for you i'm like you sons of bitch (laughs) you know but 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 that gives us that grind like i think there was there's a benefit to growing up without the internet because i think what you develop on the other side of that potentially is that grit and an ability to work and grind and hustle you know for sure, for sure. I mean, it definitely, I mean, as you know, the mother of, or the mother of invention is necessity, right? You know, when you don't have that, um, like you said, instant gratification, you find a way to get to it. And yes. yeah, I definitely think, you know, putting your story out there will help a lot of people go, oh, it takes more than just becoming internet famous overnight. Also, you're pumping me the fuck up, dude. Like, hell yeah. Dude, I'm so happy. (laughs) That makes me feel so, I mean, that's, I just feel like a normal dude, like not special at all. Just someone who's like trying to, you know, I'm all into self-help by, you know, reading a lot of books and trying to um, learn from the people that are, that have 
done great things in their life or in the places I want to be. And I've just bought into a lot of those concepts that it's every day. It's like, a you know, trying to protect my mindset, trying to consume, you know, positive content, trying to stay in a motivated mindset, trying to, you know, not being delusional or ignoring, you know, bad things or negative things. It's just how I process them. I've noticed that my ability to take information or negative situations and have a higher level of emotional intelligence to that and be able to just take it, go, okay, process it. Here's what we're doing. Strategic plan. Boom, 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 we move ahead. Not getting caught up, you know, just sitting, looking in the rear view mirror all the time about these past situations that I can't do anything about it. So my ability to handle those and move on, which I think is really important for, thing for, for entrepreneurs to, to be able to do is handle that. Don't get, um, you know, paralyzed by fear or these situations that might happen, just be able to roll with the punches a little bit, take them and keep going. Cause once you, once you accept that that's the natural order of things, then it doesn't seem like you, not to expect bad things, but you expect, you know, challenge, right? You expect challenges to arise. So how are you going to handle those? If you want a normal day filled with a little bit of challenge and you don't want to mess with any of that stuff, there's plenty of options to be able to pursue those things in life, right? You don't have to get into all this craziness of, you know, but if you do want that, um, then it, then, then it takes a certain amount of grit and I think persistence and passion and hard work and everything to actually get there. But it's incredible when you do, you know, you, you guys probably have seen like when you start getting these little wins and you start getting your podcast out there more and you start getting more, it just, it's a domino effect. And then before you know it, you look back three, four years and you've built this incredible thing, you know, but you kind of just have to put your head down and just keep walking every day and keep moving forward. You know, you said you're, you're a normal person. People have this thing where they think you have to be like, you know, Michael Jordan, the star. But that's not the I'm an idiot. No, <laughs> you don't at all. Well, I, I think, know nothing. <laughs> I think too is like, for instance, whenever you're watching, you know, anything, you see a montage of training videos that can be summed up in what, one minute, two minutes, whatever. But they don't understand that like, they've been working at that specific goal forever and their sacrifices that they make. And it's hard to articulate that without, you know, without taking a lot of time. And, you know, it's, it's not a good, I guess, blip for TV or whatever, but it, it does. I mean, it, it just for me, I mean, I've done theater my whole life and I was not, I didn't go to parties. I didn't go to this. I didn't go to that. Cause I was like, I have to go to rehearsal. You know, I have to make sure that I'm ready for the show the next day. Like you don't get to go out and party with your friends. If you want to be an athlete, you have to make sure that you're watching stuff. Mm -hmm. I went up to Michigan and my parents are like, why can't you eat out? And I'm like, ma, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to cut weight. Like what the fuck? Like, you know, this, yeah. like, you don't want this chocolate cake. Like, yeah. no, I do want the cake. Yeah. I can't have it right now. Yeah. So it, it is, it's a lot of sacrifice and it, it does take a lot. And I just, I'm really glad that you're on because I want more people to understand that. And, and it is rewarding and it is fulfilling. Yeah, it, it is. It's just, it's just a discipline. I, I, you know, I see a lot of people, um, my buddy, Rob, who runs McDojo life, you know, he's, he, uh, is a, is a really inspiring guy too, because he hustles, you know, he has this, this business that he created of 
you know, these fake martial arts studios and this whole thing that just took off. And it's, and it's so amazing, but you know, like I was staying at his house and uh, I was like, Hey, what time are you getting up? And he's like, Oh, I'm up by this time. And he's, he's got his first post by this time. He's very regimented and very professional with it. And that's why he's got half a million followers. That's why he's got these things growing because he's, you know, he, he takes it seriously and he's a professional and puts hard work into it. And, and that's the result, you know, it just, it just doesn't come overnight. It's the Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours sort of concept, you know, like people just really have to settle into this idea. I think that's probably why people struggle with jujitsu because, you know, you hear people where, I'll say, oh, I do jujitsu. And they're like, oh, well, my nine-year-old daughter's a black belt in karate. Yeah. I'm just like, dear God. You know what I mean? Like, okay. So, you know, like it's going to take you years and years to get a black belt in jujitsu. And that, again, that concept, it's like, you know, it's struggle. Like people struggle with that sometimes. So I, I just have on the mind that the, the hardest things, the things that take the most time or require the most effort are typically like the most rewarding, you know, like, the easy things are not always, you know, they're not always the, the big ones to write home about. It's, it's no. the challenges, the adversity, the things that you deal with. And I look at it, all of those things is going, you know, when my bank account was low, when I'm struggling, when I'm this and that, I just think about those moments. And I think about reading about other people's moments where they, people that are multimillionaires that went bankrupt four times and they went through all this stuff. You know, you, people don't see the struggle a lot of times until you read into it. And then when you do, you realize these are just human beings too. You know, these are just humans that had goals and ambitions and they just chose to not quit and pursue them until they became reality. And so once you latch onto that concept, I think in a, there's a lot more that's possible. There's a lot more people, I think, that would surprise themselves with the, what they could accomplish in life if they actually bought into that belief system. Yeah, I totally agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this interview with Matt. We had a blast, as I'm sure you could hear. If you are interested in ordering anything from him, please feel free to go over and check out his website at epicrollbjj.com. Y'all, I am eyeing this bad fanny pack that just says jujitsu things. I can put my mouth guard in it, my freaking um like id card in it i'm excited i definitely am gonna have to get that one so if you're looking for more cool shit like that go ahead and go on over to epicrollbjj.com and if you are looking to unmask your true potential go ahead and check out our sponsors at aplacetofloat.com and lifeboost.com stay super y'all